This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So because I know the audience that generally listens to this podcast, I know that a majority of you, or at least a good percentage of you, have never been to music school before. And so you may be wondering, what was it that I missed in music school that would help me become a better jazz musician. So in today's episode, what I want to do is just talk about my experience in music school, the things that it really helped me with and how I was able to improve. But I also do want to share some things that it did not help me with at all, but I'm going to let you on the inside, save you the four and a half years it took me to get my degree as well as some of the lessons. So let's go right into it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, who help musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but I've got a little bit of a cold going on. Uh, My daughter uh, had a cold a couple days ago, and now I've got it too, and so does my wife. And it's kind of funny. I haven't actually been sick since... um, before the pandemic, uh, I did, I, including COVID. I don't think I ever had COVID, at least not to my knowledge. So <laughs> it's the first time I've been sick in a long time. So apologies for uh, perhaps the the, uh, the 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 you know not as clear and uh, perfect of a podcasting voice as I normally do have. <laughs> I don't know about that if that's true either. But anyways, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Like I said before, so I want to talk to you today about music school. And my experience in music school, getting a bachelor's of jazz performance over the course of four and a half years. And I totally understand if you're listening to this show right now, um, the chances that uh, you are either thinking about going to music school are, are fairly low. There might be some people, obviously, but most of you, you're not really thinking about going to music school um, nor have you gone to music school, although I do know there are some um, that, that have as well. But you may wonder, again, what are the things that I gained from music school that helped me eventually become a professional jazz musician, an educator? Um, what were the benefits of this? And can I share with you any of those things that might help you think about what you should be exposing yourself to or be working on that will help influence what you do going forward in your jazz playing. I think this is going to be a really valuable episode for you. And uh, I just want to share that experience with you because it was four and a half years of my life, which seems like a long time ago now. But um, it was also a huge impact on my musicianship on many different levels. And it goes beyond the classroom experience, as you'll find out. I do also, though near the end of the episode today, I want to talk about the thing that really it did not help me with at all, which is is a really surprising thing 
that I think is just a real interesting statement about going to music school that uh, almost seems contradictory. But again, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. So let's go right into it. So let's kind of just start by talking about my history of music school. So the way it kind of worked for me was after high school, traditionally people, at least here in the U.S., uh, you know, if they plan on going to college, they go to college right after high school. Um, So for me, I kind of in my last year of high school really decided I wanted to be a jazz musician, right? I just, I got super into the music within the last year and a half of my high school experience um, just being exposed to the right people and teachers and 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 musicians around me. And so I had kind of been late in the game of my hardcore studying. I, I was a pretty good player, but, you know, still a lot to learn about jazz and playing it. And so I had only kind of um, started auditioning for some of the music schools that would be good for jazz kind of very late in the game. So I did get into them. So, for example, I got into the new school for jazz and contemporary music in um, New York City. I got into um, a music school that wasn't necessarily known so much for jazz in um, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, some other places as well, a, 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 a school in Utah that had a good jazz guitar teacher there. However, like I didn't really feel that I got large enough scholarships to go to some of these schools because they were, in fact, quite expensive. Like most of these were private schools. There's only one of them that was a state school, but I wasn't really interested in going to that one. Cause again, the only, it was in the one in Utah and it, it just didn't really, the only draw to it was the teacher, which is a good reason to go to a college for music. But other than that, it, it just wasn't something that, um, I didn't feel like I was going to be in the environment that was going to help propel me for like around really good musicians and really talented students. I just didn't feel like that was there. So I didn't get the scholarships I needed. So what I decided to do, my teacher, if you know my story, my teacher at the time put together a, a year long program for me where I, I took a gap year between high school and college. And I really studied, like I practiced like five hours a day and played a gig every single week. And I, uh, just practiced my instrument all the time. I studied with, with him. Um, I learned literally a hundred tunes in one year, uh, transcribed solos every single week. It, it was, it was crazy. It was just a weird year of my life. And I subsidized my, my life by just teaching guitar students. Like I had kind of built up just a small, um, a small studio of students at the time, and uh, as well as playing gigs to make some some money. So I was saving up money, but also I was practicing a lot so I could re audition for schools and and for some for schools that I didn't audition for in the first place to see if I could get a, a scholarship. Right. So that's what I did, and I auditioned for some schools, and I ended up deciding to go to a school called Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle, Washington. And the reason I decided to go to that school is a because I got a decent scholarship there, even though it was it's it was still an expensive school. Um, I, if I remember correctly, it was like around twenty five thousand dollars a year. Don't quote me on that. And again, that was a long time ago. But you know, I I still got a decent scholarship to go there, so that was something. Also, you know, there's actually a pretty good jazz scene in Seattle, so that was something that interested me. Some of the schools in New York I had uh, applied for and auditioned for, 
um, didn't get high, big enough scholarships to go there. And I sort of also just felt like I grew up in Idaho, like kind of a, you know, a smaller town. Um, I, I thought that Seattle would be a good stepping stone for me. And I also knew there's just a lot of great teachers and musicians that live there. So, um, this is what I wanted to do. So I went to Cornish College of the Arts for my first year of college. Um, and my experience there was really good. As far as the students there, like there were some really talented ones. And then again, there were some not so talented ones, which is totally fine. I probably sat somewhere in the middle, um, but we'll go over more of that in a second. And then after that first year, I don't know what it was. Part of it was the influence of a, a, a friend, like kind of my best friend in college that I had made there in Seattle, who was definitely an advanced player, kind of with the influence of him. And then also that that dream of always just like, I want to go to New York and study in New York and be in New York and go to the jazz clubs. And like, that's where you need to be, right? If like, so everybody's like, if you really want to be a jazz musician, the, the ideal in people's heads is go to New York. It's like the place to be for jazz, right? To learn jazz and everybody around the world collides there, right? Very competitive atmosphere. So with that influence and then just that desire in myself, I started re-auditioning for schools um, while I was in Seattle, right, to go for my sophomore year of college to New York. Now, I had a problem, too, in Seattle, and that was that even with the scholarships I had, this was a private school I was going to, it was still very expensive, and I was getting concerned that... Um, I was going to accrue way too much debt. And I, I was, I was kind of a responsible person at the time. I was thinking to myself, like, I don't have any illusion that I'm going to be incredibly wealthy. Right. Um, even if I become a very successful jazz musician, like I, I don't know that I didn't have confidence. I was going to make an amazing living to, you know, subsidize the fact of going in, like in debt. Like if you, if you're a doctor, right. If you're studying to be a doctor and you get a lot of uh, school debt and, and by the way, in the United States, like student loan debt is a huge problem here. Not so much of a problem in Europe, for example, but I, I didn't want to get into that much debt. So what I ended up doing is I did re-audition for schools like the new school in New York. And I got a, I got a scholarship there. It was sizable, but again, like the cost of that school is so much. So what I ended up deciding to do is go to a, a school called the city college of New York. And so that that's a city school in New York. So a lot cheaper uh, of a school to attend public school to attend. Um, obviously it wasn't a, a music school per se, Right. But the great thing about it is that we were in New York. A lot of the local jazz musicians around were affiliated with it in the sense that you could take lessons with them through the school, as well as the artist in residence at the time was the great jazz bassist, John Patatucci. So that was something that was really exciting and interesting. And then the professors there, again, these are these are people that like are... Um, in the New York scene, in a sense, not necessarily always performing. Like, for example, Mike Holliber, who is an, a, a well-known arranger and composer, like he was teaching there. So, like, there's there is just a great faculty and staff there, and I just knew that, you know, just going to that school at the very least, while it might not be one of the big like Manhattan School of Music or the New School or like one of the big music programs there. What it was going to be was going to be access to great teachers and access to the New York scene at a more affordable price. And yes, I got scholarships there. So 
I decided to go to the City College of New York, and that's where I finished my degree. Uh, it took me three and a half years to finish my degree. Uh, you know, sometimes credits don't fully transfer um, from one school to the next. To you know, so I didn't finish my degree in four years. It took me four and a half years to do it, which is fine. Um, and honestly, my experience in New York was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was taking everything up a level, as great as it was in Seattle, and um, just being the ultimate challenge, honestly, for progressing for a lot of the reasons I'll talk about here. So that's a little bit of the history of my well, the schools I went to, the situation I was in, the reason I made decisions to go. Um, and again, I just want to emphasize one more time that a big reason for me really continuing my college education was just the sheer excuse of like, this is what I need to do to be in New York, right? It's the socially acceptable thing to go to college. Like, my my dad, he, I mean, I have a very educated family. Like my dad, he got his master's and his PhD in chemical engineering. Um, a lot of my brothers and sisters have followed suit getting master's degrees. I only got my bachelor's degree. So it's, for me, it was a very accept, like socially acceptable thing to, to go to college, right? Anyways, even though it was for music, right? So, okay, that's my history there. So let's talk about the things that I got from going to school. So number one was exposure to advanced musicians, right? That's pretty obvious, right? When you have a bunch of people that are going to to music school, you're, you're likely going to have advanced musicians there that are serious about it. On the other hand, you also had plenty of musicians in both of the schools that I went to that honestly weren't the greatest musicians and definitely improved over time, but like kind of almost started with like, I want to be a musician and I can play my instrument. Okay. But honestly, weren't great at playing jazz. Right. So you had some of that, but at the same time, there were musicians that I had never been exposed to just being in a smaller town where the talent pool is a little bit smaller. So for example, when I arrived in Seattle, one of my good friends who I ended up moving to New York with, he was a jazz guitar player and he was definitely better than me. Like, but not so much so that like I couldn't keep up with him. In fact, we used to play gigs almost like three times a week at a little bistro together, duo guitar, and we would jam all the time. So honestly, it was like sort of just like this guy that was a little bit better than me that I was trying to keep up with, which, yeah, like in the wrong hands and definitely part of my life was a was a bad sense of feeling of like for my self-worth because I kind of put a little too much importance in my self-worth with music at the time. Um, I was serious about it. On the other hand, though, like it definitely pushed me. And then, you know, I met like literally within days of, you know, going to Cornish College of the Arts, like musicians playing all kinds of different instruments who were playing at a high level. And it's kind of like a light bulb goes off in your head. And you probably heard the concept of, right, when you're, um, when you're around people that are great at something, you, you tend to rise to the occasion, right? Whereas if like, if you're the best person at something in the room, you don't tend to like have as much, um, of a, a, 
of an upward trajectory, right? That's not the best way to say it. But like, for example, if you're running a race, right, and you're the person in first place, right, you can't see the people behind you. You're running and you're winning, right? But the person who's right behind you has the extra motivation to catch up. Does that make sense? Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, Raw on the podcast today. So really, that's kind of what I found I was being exposed to in music school. And again, like also having the advantage of like other musicians looking up to me because I was a pretty good player, right? But that is so helpful to be around other people that are just better than you, right? It just is like, and that doesn't just go for music. Obviously, I'm sure you can relate that to a lot of other things in your life. So how was I exposed to these musicians in school? Well, so obviously there's combo classes. You were put into combos um, of musicians where you would play together. So I was getting to play with them in that sense. But I also mentioned jams outside of class. I mean, that was a huge culture I noticed in music school, whether I was at the actual art school in Seattle or just the music department in corner or in a city college in New York. Like we were just constantly jamming outside of class. We go to the practice rooms. We would be jamming together. We would hang out at our apartments, have beers and jam together like that. It was just constantly jamming together, playing inside of class and outside of class. So like, that's the advantage of that situation and and again it's kind of like while there were older students that like we had some even in my my sophomore class of college we had like some 40 year old um even 50 year old students that were coming back and like hey i want to study music right we had that but obviously this is like sort of a, a stage of life thing right when you're 19 20 21 years old 22 years old right you don't have as many um you don't have a family you don't have a lot of obligations. So part of that is just circumstantial. It's like you have a bunch of people that are kind of in the same situation and that's what you do with your life. You study and you practice and you play music together. So it, that was the an advantageous time of life as well as an environment to be in. Now, the big thing though that I will say is I'm talking kind of in college, but again, I moved to New York City because of the jazz scene but backing up to seattle there's also a good jazz scene in seattle like there's great jazz clubs there um big acts coming through the big jazz club there called jazz alley so i was going to shows all the time to watch people play but then like the local jazz musicians in seattle that you know are are kind of the the a-listers there they're very good musicians right so I'd be going to clubs and they had jazz festivals there and there was a, a jam session, a weekly jam session at a place called the Owl and Thistle that I would go down to with my friend. And so there was a public jam session where like the pool of talented musicians was even higher because these were all the people in the scene converging, not just people in the school. So just being exposed to that was really helpful. Now, obviously this doesn't have to do necessarily with college. So if you're someone who who happens to have that benefit of living in a town or a city that has a decent scene going on, then that exposure to that, obviously, again, it's going to help you rise to the occasion and become better. So the exposure to advanced musicians was great. Uh, in New York, obviously, 
this was like multiplied by 10, right? Sheerly because there's way more very talented musicians from all over the world converging upon the city. There's way more jazz clubs, way more public jam sessions, way more of the high level jazz schools. Like you got the NYU program, you've got Manhattan School of Music, you've got um uh you've got New School and uh, you know, and then you had schools like mine, like City College of New York, where there's great players there too. Like, there's so many good musicians in New York who are young, who are old, who are everything in between. The usually the best jazz musicians in the world have some co- sort of roots in New York City, um, and a lot of them still live in New York City. So the exposure is just phenomenal. Was phenomenal in New York, and it just you had no choice but to somewhat improve because of your exposure to this high level of musicians that are just all around you. Now, again, downside of that is like, it could be overwhelming. It's not for everybody. Right. Um, and in some cases it wasn't good for me emotionally. Right. In other cases it was. So that's number one. Number two was music theory. So, this seems pretty obvious, like going to college. I think a lot of people, when you think about going to music school, you think about music theory because it's kind of like the, for lack of better terms, left brain, more logical, more um, mathematical, uh, you know, you can take tests on it, right? Do papers on it. You think about that when you think about going to music school. And so for sure, there was a lot of music theory I did not know until going into music school. Now, the hardest music theory class I took was actually in Seattle uh, a teacher, um, he's he's no longer with us, James Knapp, incredibly great uh, professor of music theory. Um, he uh, had a class and I, I tested into like, I think the second level of this class and there's only three levels of the class. I don't know how I tested into the second level of the class because it was ridiculously hard for me. I mean, my brain, I was never, never been good at math. I've never been good at, um, some of the more, I guess, less creative ways of thinking about music, right? More of that logical side. And, and it was hard for me. And of course there was like the theory was just dense and applications of different kinds of things and, um, different names for, I mean, and yes, there's even a little bit of classical theory in there, like figured bass and things that I was just like, honestly, I never use that anymore. But what it really did is it really forced me to start understanding theory and how music works at a higher level. And even though so much of it was too dense for me, so much of it went above my head at the time, I still gained a lot from that. When I went to City College of New York, there was still great theory and harmony classes there that I learned a lot of things from, but it wasn't quite in my experience as dense as that course that I took with uh, James Knapp at the, at the Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle. So I, I did learn a lot about music theory. It was really helpful. And so if you're wanting to learn about music theory, obviously music school can be a great place to go for that. Um, so, uh, that 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 is what it is. There's not much more to say about that other than like that's kind of the one of the main things people think about when they go to music school is like 
learning music theory and I didn't know as much as I thought I did, right? Um, and it filled in a lot of gaps for me there. So number three, though, is repertoire. So obviously, from going to school, I learned a lot more jazz standards, right? I was going to school for jazz. So just naturally, we would learn standards in our combo classes. Um, we, you know, other students, when you go to jam with them, they knew standards. Like I said, I was going to public jam sessions in both cities where I was going to school. So you got to know standards there. So you're just naturally working on standards, right? Learning them because you needed to learn them in order to essentially quote unquote survive, right? So that was important. And as you know, like to me, learning jazz standards is the most important thing you can do to improve as a jazz musician. If you want to learn about jazz theory and jazz harmony and how to improvise over the common chord progressions in jazz, like learn more jazz standards. That's why in our inner circle membership, that's the main thing we do. We learn one jazz standard a month um, because in my experience, that's that's the biggie. Like that is the thing that if we're trying to boil things down into one simple idea of how to improve as a jazz musician, that's the thing. And so obviously I was learning a lot of standards in college, which was great uh, in the class and outside of the class. Right. But also a big thing was learning like more advanced tunes. And by advanced, I mean like the harmony more was more complex, um, maybe perhaps more modern, you know, in other words, not just like all the things you are, which I guess is a complex harmony as well, but not as traditional jazz harmony. So for example, in, uh, one of the, one of the first songs we did as a combo in my freshman year at uh, Cornish college of the arts was we learned Herbie Hancock's tell me a bedtime story. So, um, anyways, if you've never heard that song, pretty cool. Uh, tell me a bedtime story. So that song has a lot of interesting hits. Um, it has a lot of interesting harmony. In, in my personal opinion, not very easy to improvise over. So I hadn't really been exposed to that kind of stuff before. Um, we learned uh, some Kurt Rosenwinkel song as well. Um, it, it was from his Deep Song album, I believe. Was it... Uh, I can't remember which one it was. But, I mean, Kurt Rosenwinkel, if you've ever taken a look at it, I believe he has a music book out there uh, of his compositions. It is not easy harmony, right? Modern jazz stuff, not easy harmony. So being being faced with that was uh, intense. And in addition to that, it sort of forced me to learn music from charts, like so reading music. And so as a guitar player, honestly, my reading... Um, was never that good. It's improved a lot. I was, wouldn't say I'm an expert sight reader for sure. Um, but just reading music, I wasn't, um, I, I learned a lot of stuff by ear, which is great for jazz, obviously. But in college, like I was having to take the, the chart of tell me a bedtime story and go read it. Right. So some of those strange rhythmic hits, um, that became a problem and I had to deal with that. And yeah, a little stressful too, because you know, by next class, I had to have it ready, right? So having to learn music quickly from charts was something that I was gaining from music school, right? Something I hadn't done before. So number three was repertoire, learning lots of repertoire, not just standards, um, more difficult tunes, having to just at least face them. So even if I totally sucked at improvising over the Kurt Rosenwinkel tune or Spain by Chikria, whatever, I mean, I was at least 
diving into that music and learning something from it, even if I never took a solo I was proud of in that moment. So that was a big thing for music school, just being forced to learn all these different tunes, different kinds of tunes. Number four uh, is it helped me fill in a lot of gaps and I, I already mentioned a little bit about this, like, and we all have gaps in our, in our playing, right? Uh, maybe you're aware of them. Maybe you're not right. There's certain things you don't know. And there's certain things you do know, like a, a very classic example of a gap, right? I just mentioned it before was, you know, I was actually learning music by ear, which is something that is a great idea as far as learning jazz and becoming a great improviser. Right. But the gap was I couldn't read a chart very well. And that proved to be a problem for me, especially when I moved to New York as well, where then I started to do some gigs and someone would throw a chart of their original composition in front of me and I was struggling through it, right? Right? So that was a gap. That was a gap that I had to start becoming better at or at least make some progress at quickly because it was a gap, right? So college definitely helped me with that. So some of the gaps, like I mentioned, reading music, music theory, I mentioned that one before too, had a lot of gaps in music theory. Um, I may have understood the very basics, right? But there was a lot of nuances, a lot of extra things that I, that I didn't really know. Um, ear training was one of them. So like I said, like while I was learning a lot of, um, music by ear from recordings, which is a great applied ear training. There's a lot of ear training stuff that I wasn't even exposed to before. There was one ear training class at uh, Cornish College of the Arts where it was like, sing the notation you see on this chart. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I, I was bad at it. Some of the other students were really good. It was like, here's your starting note. They had played on the piano and you'd be looking at like, I don't know, a four bar or two bar phrase of notation. And so like you could recognize if you knew how to read music to any degree, like, oh, that's a whole step. Oh, that's a, a, a minor third, right? Um, so having to both think about that very quickly, but also like know what that would sound like, that to me was a very advanced ear training. And again, somehow I tested into this advanced ear training class, right? But again, Sometimes, even if you tested into these advanced classes, you would learn very quickly that while you were able to do certain tasks, others, there was just a huge gap and you almost wished you would have just started at the very beginning, like the very first entry level class and moved your way on up to fill in those gaps. So ear training, that was definitely one of them, right? I didn't know a lot of interval ear training at the time when I went into college. So singing minor thirds or perfect fourths or any of that stuff, you know, stuff that I would argue is definitely helpful, right? While it's not applied ear training, it's definitely helpful stuff. And so music, music school focuses on some of that stuff, some of that stuff that's more nuanced, that's more like the building blocks of being a great musician, like that is included in music school where you may not always study that on your own or somewhere else, right? That tradition of studying music, the the traditional side of it is, is in there. Now, also, there was instrument-specific stuff that was the gaps that were being filled in. So one thing in both programs I was a part of in New York and in Seattle was you had to take 
um, X amount of private lessons a month. So it was usually one a week, right? So you have to take four private lessons a month. So you'd pick a teacher. Um, I studied with a great teacher in Seattle called Dave Peterson. He was one of like the, uh, in my opinion, he must have been one of the best jazz guitarists uh, out in Seattle, but he was also kind of a quieter, more outspoken person. And so obviously the big players were in the area were calling him for stuff, but he wasn't one that I felt like, I felt like he deserved a lot more, um, I mean, notice than he actually had, but really good guitar player. And he was also way too generous. Like, I, I mean, he clearly like, uh, you know, he wasn't thinking so much about time and money, right? The business side of being a musician. He literally would, the the lesson's supposed to be one hour. I remember one time he gave me a three hour lesson. We were just sitting there practicing playing and he was showing me stuff and he was commenting on stuff. Um, basically, he just wanted to hang out and play, <laughs> which was amazing experience, right? I mean, so studying with him was amazing because he would just show me, just show me something that kind of opened my eyes a little bit, or I would just ask him questions because back then I wasn't afraid of asking questions. I just wanted to know everything. So I would just ask him questions about like, well, why this voicing? Why would you like, oh, like that's a cool way to move voicings up and forth. It's like, how does that voicing work? Like, where does it come from? Is it harmonizing? Like I would ask him all these questions that I didn't know about. Right. And he would, he would show me or like voicings and like, how did that work? When I moved to New York, um, I was taking occasional lessons with Peter Bernstein, who, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know, is one of my favorite jazz guitar players. Um, and so, well, you know, he wouldn't always show me, um, specific techniques with guitar, just being able to take those occasional lessons with him and just like get his opinion about my playing. It was like a doctor's checkup, right? So invaluable. But then I had teachers like Vic Juris, I mentioned the late Vic Juris, who like, you know, hardcore would give me assignments. Like, um, here's this, uh, Brazilian Choro tune have it learned by next time. It's like a 32 bar, by the way, a choro, choros, if you're not familiar with the style. I like to think of it as like kind of like Brazilian bebop <laughs> is the way I like to think of it. So I'd have to learn that like by the next week. So I was being forced to read a lot with him um, and learning how to read on the guitar better, which was good for me. Um, he'd be like, hey, here's my book learn this entire lesson of these really crazy, strange, pianistic guitar voicings that I have in this book. Was never exposed to those voicings before. Um, another teacher was like, hey, do you know how to play all your drop twos and all inversions on all sets of your strings, every quality of seventh chord? Uh, no, I don't know how to do that. Guess what? Huge project. Start working on that, right? So that stuff is really important. Like that, that also gave me the ability. I, I've created um, in our Inner Circle membership. We have a jazz guitar accelerator course where I'm able to teach all that stuff now. I also did a book for Hal Leonard. Um, what's it called? Visual Improvisation for Jazz Guitar. A lot of that I learned so much of that stuff from studying with these amazing teachers that were associated with the music school, or again, just were a part of the music scene that I was around because I was going to school um, at the moment. So 
I learned so much. Uh, Steve Cardenas, uh, a, a guitar player not enough people know about, based in uh, in, in New York. Um, Steve Cardenas, I learned a lot from him. Um, and also, just not to take music too seriously. He was such a chill guy. <laughs> so sometimes it wasn't. It's not even just um, lessons about music or how to play. It's more like, hey, just being around these and, and studying with some of these world class musicians. Um, they all have different temperaments, right? And understanding the way their brain thinks and the way they feel about music and stuff like that. All that stuff, just so valuable, filling in gaps left and right of things I knew and things I didn't know. And I even studied with um, non-guitar players, right? So I took, uh, first of all, I took a class with um, John Patitucci, um, the the bass player, right? Chick think Chick Korea, think all all those guys. Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter. So I I I actually one time went to his house in upstate New York, outside of school, and took a private lesson with him. And um, man, John Patitucci is a crazy musician and just like he's, oh, man, such a character in all the greatest ways. But I went to his house and I took a lesson. I think I paid 150 bucks for it or something like that. And um. <clears throat> you know, all, all the money I, I had saved up from, from my little one-off gigs. And he showed me that like, Hey, your technique, even, even though he's an electric bass player and upright bass player, your technique on the guitar with your left hand is so off that it's literally stopping you from technically playing the things you want to play. And also he had his brother as a classical guitar player. So he also knew a few more things about that too. Um, and so he helped me become aware of that. And I would say that my left hand technique is much better because he like literally told me like, you have to have your thumb here and your hand here. And this might feel awkward for a while, but you need to unlearn this, right? So just ha- like that was a gap, right? No one ever told me how to hold my instrument properly. It's just something that I just started doing when I started playing it, right? Um, that knowledge, sometimes it's so simple but the value within that knowledge is just you can't put a price on that, right? Um, you know, uh, arranging. Honestly, I I took one class of arranging from Mike Holliber at, at the City College of New York. I mean, that guy's a, ge- a music genius, honestly. But even just being exposed to a little bit of that helped help me open my eyes to how you can actually arrange for different instruments and like what some rules are. I, I don't remember half of it anymore because I didn't really keep up with it, but that was a gap. I, I had no idea. How do you, I had no idea how to arrange for a small jazz ensemble, um, let alone a big band, right? Like I, I had no idea how to do any of that stuff. So, um, you know, I, again, I also had access to like master classes from Fred Hirsch, um, and many other musicians that would come into the city college every once in a while. So Fred Hirsch, world-class jazz pianist, he came in, listened to my playing in our, in our, when our combo played for him. And he was like, Hey man, um, you're trying to play all these cool triplet and 16th note stuff, but clearly your eighth notes lines are not solid. So forget about all that stuff and get your eighth notes straight first. Tough to hear, but like very important information that I needed to hear before I was trying to do all this more complex stuff. I took a class in at the city college in New York called African percussion ensemble, nothing to do with jazz other than of course, we're talking about African music and you know, it was basically us just walking (laughs) around the classroom. Yes. Playing some, uh, instruments, right. But mostly just walking 
like crazy stuff, like just walking and understanding rhythm at a very fundamental level based on African percussion, right? From West Africa and other places. You know, these are the things that you just, those are the things that I couldn't get anywhere else that even if like, again, I'm not super influenced by all those things today, there was, there was something gained, a gap that was filled there. Okay. So just to kind of summarize some of those things that I got from music school. And by the way, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh crap, well, that sounds like a lot of good stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get any of that. Like, don't worry. Like I'll talk a little bit about how I can help. And even just by listening to this podcast, hopefully you're gaining some things, but just to summarize that. So number one, exposure to advanced musicians, right? That was helpful. Number two, lots of music theory I learned. Number three, lots of repertoire I learned. And number four, filling in all those different gaps that I just mentioned. Um, now I want to talk about really quickly, probably the most surprising thing, which is what music school absolutely did not help me with. Um, and I think this is, this is again, I, I know that you probably aren't planning on going to music school most people who listen to this podcast are hobbyist musicians. So I understand that, but I think this is a really important thing for me to mention, um, especially if you're a jazz or a music educator out there. The thing that college absolutely did not help me with was how to actually make a living as a musician. Okay, now in case that hasn't re- hit home to you, I'll say it one more time. College did not teach me, going to music school did not teach me how to make a living off of being a musician. And to me, this is absolutely shocking, right? Now, there was music business classes. I didn't take them, but usually they had something to do with like producing or something like that. Didn't have to do with being a jazz musician, like an everyday musician, there was no one, not even my professors even talked about it, who some were professional educators and musicians, right? They didn't really even tell you about it. Like they didn't, they didn't talk about like, Hey, you're going to graduate from this place. And by the way, you spent a lot of money here on college. Um, how are you going to start making money off of all this information? I just told you They no one ever said any of that, right? They didn't say, no one talked about how to get gigs, and if they did, it was just on a very fundamental level, like, oh, go out and go and join the scene. And yeah, absolutely, that that that's probably what you need to do. But there was nothing, no more detail there, right? There was very little I found, at least at the colleges I went to, and I know this might not be the case with some of the other ones, but very little uh, using, like the professors using their network of connections to help you. In some cases, yes, but not so much to try to help you, right? Get a footing. Um, no one talked about like, hey, if if I were like to make a living as a musician, you should have some, you know, education and uh, teaching, teaching, right? And and playing gigs and and you could also make money off of recording and all these things. And here's how to do that. And by the way, um, here's how to promote yourself. By the way, here's how to. Um, Conduct yourself professionally. By the way, this is how you network. By the way, like none of that there. And the reason why I, or or even how to be an entrepreneur, like I'm obviously an entrepreneur. I had to figure that out on my very own, completely outside of music. And 
the reason I think that's shocking is because to me, traditionally, to the reason that you're going to school should be that you're going to school so that you can end up making a living. And most people do higher education because there's some sort of promise of a job on the other side, traditionally. And obviously with the arts, that is a little bit different than just, hey, I got a bachelor's degree, therefore I got a ticket to be able to at least apply to your job. I understand that is different, but at the same time, the fact that those resources weren't being given to us. It was really just, here's how to be a better musician. Again, I'm just speaking strictly from my personal experience. It was just, here's how to be a better musician. But the honest truth is making a living as a musician. Um, sure. You do have to be good at what you do. Um, but it's not about even being the best. It's about how can you, uh, like, okay, playing, are you a great person to be around to play? Um, do you play a certain style of music better than other? Like education, you could be the best player in the world and be the worst music educator in the world, right? You could be a, a, a middle of the road musician and be the best music ed- educator in the world, right? So that's important, right? Because that influences how you're going to make money. And so to me, that was a huge shock. Um, and in retrospect, if... For whatever reason, I would decide to change my careers, which I have no plans on doing so, and become the director of a music department at a higher education music school or, or something like that. I It would be mandatory. There would be mandatory classes about marketing and business and all these things that a sole, sole proprietor... Uh, musician would need to know down to taxes, everything, none of this stuff. No one talked about that to us at all. So that's probably the biggest thing I would say. It's just like, I did not learn that in in music school. And that was, that was weird. Honestly, that that's kind of weird. It really contradicts in some ways, the purpose of higher education. Like it's really, uh, to me, higher education is a, is a two pronged thing. It's like one, it's becoming competent in, the area of expertise you're trying to become competent in. Okay, great. Music school did that. But B, how to actually go about becoming that professional, right? Which are two different things, um, related but different. Okay, so all that stuff. So hopefully just by me talking through um, some of these benefits of music school, now that that's helpful to you. Now, obviously, if you're like, hey, well, I'm never going to go to music school. Uh, you probably won't. Um, but I want to learn about all this stuff. Well, obviously you have a lot of resources available to you here on the podcast where every week we talk about this stuff. So I'm here for you in our YouTube channel. We talk about this stuff for free. And most certainly if you join our inner circle membership, uh, you can go to ljsinnercircle.com. We do this stuff. We learn a new jazz standard every single month. We have music theory courses. We have courses on rhythm, on ear training. We have a lot of this stuff. Most importantly, we have a community of other musicians there. Um, Some that will be better than you, some that won't be as good as you, and others that'll be on the same page as you, right? So while it's not the same as going to music school, 
there's so many advantages of joining an online community like the Inner Circle. So highly recommend investing in your in, in your education. And uh, if you feel like ours would be the best solution for you after checking it out, go to ljsinnercircle.com. We'd love to have you. So again, hope all of this was helpful, gave you some perspective and uh, from my mouth, right, from a professional jazz musician's mouth here, and uh, that this will get you thinking about the kinds of things that you need to start focusing on in your musicianship. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Again, ljsinnercircle.com. That's where you can check out the Inner Circle membership. Learn one jazz standard a month, as well as uh, courses to help fill in the gaps in your musical knowledge. Uh, we have a good time over there, so check it out. All right, we're going to be coming out with another great episode of the podcast next week. If you're someone who listens to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, would really appreciate leaving a rating and review over on the app. That would be great. Um, if you're on Spotify, uh, can you leave a rating and review on Spotify? Uh, I think you can. Either way, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, just subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Really do appreciate that. Just helps uh, you never miss out on an episode. Uh, and so thanks. Thanks for doing that in advance. We'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. And until then, happy practicing. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.